Good morning again. And it is all about the Lord. He has been good. He is good. And that's who he is. But church is about the Lord. Um, if, you, if you're a visitor today, salvation is about a relationship with the Lord. The Bible is about the Lord. Our prayer when we, came, when we come to the States is, Lord, help us to make you look good. It's about God. It's all about God. It's not about us, not about the pastor, not about uh, the church building. Uh, it's not about the programs. It's about the Lord. And if you leave today without connecting with the Lord, then you just wasted your time. You should have stayed home and watched Buffalo Bills highlights from the 1990s or something like that when they were a good team. Take your Bibles and turn to Second Chronicles chapter 15. Second Chronicles chapter 15. Coming here is like coming home to, to some extent. Well, if we're from Buffalo. Uh, my dad had a business for years with my grandfather um, in, well, I guess it was Lackawanna, somewhere over there on Seneca Street, Seneca Polishing. And my family grew up Catholic. And then one day my dad heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel of Jesus Christ will change your life. Jesus is still changing lives. And there's so many people that are just living their life. They're just doing what everybody else around them is doing. They're doing what they've been told that they need to do in order to find some type of happiness or peace or joy or whatever it is. But only Jesus Christ can fulfill that need that each one of us have inside of us. And if you're visiting today, Pastor Cole already said it, but uh, um, I'm not the pastor here either. We're just visiting uh, but God is the same, and he's the same every week, and he uses his word to speak to us. And I want to encourage you if, you, if you have not given, if you've not allowed the Lord to come into your heart, if you've not uh, accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you've not been baptized, if you're not a member of a church, all those things are very important to God and his will for us. And uh, it, was, it was like 40, 40 years ago, well, almost 40 years ago, that um, my dad, who had just gotten saved, uh, came to Faith Bible. And uh, Miss Ann Perkowski was my first Sunday school teacher. And, uh, and Pastor Cole baptized me in, in Ed and Carol Durham's um, pool out there, wherever that was. Um, and you, you just have to follow God. And God, we talk about in Sunday school, God will take you where he wants you to go. So um, if you're here today and you, and you need to make, it, make us take a step, um, do that. Don't, don't put it off. Life is short. It's here and it's gone. And so uh, we have a few years to, to have a relationship with the Lord and make sure you're, you're in one with him. It's good to be back with you guys. I said in Sunday school, I brag about this church everywhere. So we have the opportunity. God has lent us the ear of churches. We've probably been in, I don't know, maybe 150, 200 churches over the years um, and now that we've traveled, God, God is doing and has done something special in western New York. Um, seven years ago, I think it was, I was in Pastor Cole's office downstairs, and he has the map. I don't know if you've been in there, but I don't know if it's still there, but the map of western New York with the little pins. And I'm like, what are all those pins? He's like, these are all the independent Baptist King James soul winning churches in western New York. I said, you are kidding me. There's like 45 of them or something like that. And we've traveled all over the country. And I ask, now I ask, I, I'm like, how many churches are in Denver? How many churches, I was talking to a friend in Denver, 
Denver's huge. I mean, Buffalo's small. What, what, a quarter of a million people or something like that. Denver's like two million people. How many independent Baptist churches you got here? How many uh, churches use, using the King James and just getting out the truth? Three or four. I said, are, are you in fellowship with one another? Well, no. That's why we're not having revival in this country. It, 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 it starts with the grassroots churches. We don't need big coliseums. We need just everybody going to a church somewhere where they're preaching the truth and just starting churches. And I know Pastor Cole has that vision, has had that vision, and that is one reason God has blessed you guys here. You don't have to have hundreds of people to be a blessed place. This place influences people everywhere, and I tell, and this is one of the things I tell too, I'm like, the church where, that my dad came out of, Faith Bible, back in, back in Buffalo, New York, I said, they, they might run 150 people, and they give almost $400,000 a year to missions. I used to say 350000 but I heard it's 400000 I'm going to have to change, my, change what I say. But you are influencing people, whether you know it or, whether you know it or not. And God is, God is here, and we appreciate that. And um, you've been, of course, you've been great friends to us. Of course, I've said it many times, but I, um, our family really looks up to Pastor and Mrs. Cole and have been, um, he, he may have been my first hero along with, like, Craig Durham. Wow, so, you know, things have gone downhill. But, um, no, you, look, at men, men are men, and God puts people in your lives. And I remember Miss Ann was my Sunday school teacher. Craig Durham was my hero. Pastor Cole was my hero. And you look at people, but those people, like Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. You should see Christ right through them and follow those people. Don't get sidetracked by following a man into a ditch. A lot of people do that too. Look, if somebody wrongs you, it's not God's fault. If you get wronged in church, it's not God's fault. If there's a hypocrite sitting by you in church, it's not, that's not God's fault. So don't blame everybody else for, for, don't blame God for what everybody else is doing. And uh, uh, God is faithful, and it's only by the grace of God that you're sitting in a Bible-preaching church today. It's only the grace of God. It's nothing that we've done. And God, God has really been good to you, and he's really been good to me. If you don't know us, this is my beautiful young wife of 24 years and four months, Katie. And we got married on Friday the 13th of August, 1999. And then we had all these people show up um, through the years. We have 13 kids. Um, so three of them are not with us. Uh, yeah, they're out in Indiana, Santino, Rocco, and Gianni. Uh, but we have 10 with us. All these 10 were born in Bulgaria. So uh, when we come, like we miss America. You know, we come back with like, I miss Reese's peanut butter cup blizzard from, you know, Dairy Queen. Like I, like I will not leave the States without getting a Reese's peanut butter cup blizzard, no matter if it's snowing every day, because I miss that. Uh, but our the 10 that were born over there, like they never lived in America. So I I, you have to ask them what their feelings are. I don't know if they really miss America, but uh, there is no place like America. I will tell you that. There is no place like America. And the Lord has allowed me to travel to a few countries, 30, 35 countries or so, and there's just, um, this, is, this is the best place um, to be. That's why people are coming here. And, um, but, but it's because of churches like this that made our country great. It was grassroots. You can only have one of these modern churches where they come up and do like a rock concert and have like, you know, like 25-year-olds in tight jeans dancing up on the platform. You can only do that in the city. Like, can, can you imagine that out in the country? You know, who, what are you going to get, like a 75-year-old woman up there, you know, <laughs> dancing up there? Like, nobody's going to come to that. So it's, it, it, that is a, uh, it's a sales-based religion. 
They have to draw big crowds. If you've ever been in sales, you know, the more calls you make, the more contacts you make, the more sales you make. So they only work in, big, in cities. Um, but the truth works everywhere. The truth works everywhere. And we've been all over with teeny little churches, 10, 15 people. Our church was small. I mean, those 17 years we were in Barna, we never, I think our, our record attendance was 68 one time we had a little room, and we had to put seats up on top of the baptistry. We had our kids sitting on the baptistry with 68. But, but that is what Christianity is. It's the truth. In the book of Acts, they were so small they met in houses. And so um, I'm just, just glad to be with you this morning. Second Chronicles, we need to, we need to get in the Bible. Second Chronicles chapter uh, 15. Let's stand to our feet. Second Chronicles chapter 15. Let's read this. Story about Azariah and Asa real quick. Verse number one. And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while ye be with him. And if ye seek him, he will be found of you. But if ye forsake him, he will forsake you. Now for a long season, Israel hath been without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. But when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. And in those times there was no peace to him that went out, nor to him that came in, but great vexations were upon all the inhabitants of the countries. And nation was destroyed of nation and city of city, for God did vex them with all adversity. Be strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. So that was the prophet speaking to the king Asa. Verse 8, and when Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Oded the prophet, he took courage and put away the abominable idols out of all the land of Judah and Benjamin and out of the cities which he had taken from Mount Ephraim and renewed the altar of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord. And he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and the strangers with them out of Ephraim and Manasseh and out of Simeon. And they fell to him out of Israel in abundance when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. So they gathered themselves together at Jerusalem in the third month, in the fifteenth year of the reign of Asa, and they offered unto the Lord the same time of the spoil which they had brought, seven hundred oxen and seven thousand sheep. I want you to notice verse 12, that's our text verse. And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers, with all their heart and with all their soul. They entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers. You'll see this phrasing many times in First and Second Chronicles. They prepared their heart to seek the Lord, or he prepared his heart to seek the Lord. Let's have a word of prayer, and then you may be seated. Father, we thank you for this day. This is the day that you've made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And God, while some of us are going through very deep and dark times with losses, we know that you're the same. And we know that you're a loving father. And we know that you're there in the dark. And that the sun will come up. God, we thank you for the hope of heaven. That we don't have to despair as those that, like those that don't have you. We don't have to wonder. Our faith is a real faith. Our hope is a lively hope. And God, we thank you for that. We thank you that we can meet this morning. We pray that in your supernatural way that you would give each one of us what we need, that you'd give me what I need, and that your word would speak to us, that your Holy Ghost would have liberty to move amongst us. I pray that you'd take our attention and put it towards your word, and that you would accomplish your will for this time. 
Help me to say those things you would want me to say. Father, I pray that you'd keep me from saying anything I should not. We pray this in your name and for the glory of the Father. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. If you read the story of Asa and read a little bit before this, a little bit after this, Asa was a good king. He was a king that got things done. He was a king whose heart was after the Lord. And here we see when the prophet came to him, Oded, and and gave this prophecy and told him what he needed to to fix. Asa said, okay, let's let's do this. Let's get it done. And the Bible says they prepared their hearts. They made a covenant to seek the Lord. The Christian life is, I, I mentioned already, but it is a relationship. Christianity is a relationship. It's not a list of things that you do. Just like marriage is not a, a, a list of things you must do. Oh, I must put on this ring, that, so I am married. I must go to work. That makes me married. No, you do, you do those things because you're married. You do those things because you have a relationship with your wife or your husband. And when couples get distant, it's because they're just going through the motions of marriage, but the relationship is, is waning, right? And so that's what Christianity is. It's a relationship with God. So coming to church doesn't make you any more of a Christian than not coming to church. It, that, that's just like a byproduct. And you want to be with the one who you love, so that's why we're at church this morning, right? That's why we open the Bible. That's why we pray. That's why we do what we do. That's why we should serve is because the goodness of God leadeth us to repentance. And so uh, Asa, when, he, when, when, the, when the prophet came and, and made this statement, he said, we're going to make a covenant. And you, you see that covenant was 7,000 sheep or something like that. They, I mean, they, it was this huge, uh, uh, huge ordeal that they went through to make this covenant to seek the Lord. And then as you read the, the deeds of Asa, he took down the idols, he took down the groves, he, he cleaned out Israel, he had the people following the log, and he did a lot of good things in his life. And I forget now how many years he reigned, it was like 30 years or something like that, but he reigned for quite a while, followed the Lord, had made a covenant to seek the Lord. But I want to point out one verse here, if your Bibles are still open, to Second Chronicles. Look at chapter 16. And it's coming down to the end of Asa's life. Look at chapter 16, verse 11. The Bible says, And behold, the acts of Asa, first and last, lo, they are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. And Asa, in the thirty and ninth year of his reign, was diseased in his feet, until his disease was exceeding great. And then I have underlined this phrase in my Bible. Yet in his disease he sought not to the Lord, but to the physicians. Now, I'm not saying anything against doctors, but I'm saying here, it's almost like God put this in the Bible. He doesn't say, if Asa would have come to me first, I would have healed him. But God just sort of puts this, puts this in there like, sort of like, like a regret. Like Asa, Asa had made a covenant to seek me. He, he sought my will in everything he did. He, he was a good king. He, he did my will. He always put me first. But at the end of his life, it was almost like God was like, oh, man, he went to the doctors without even asking me. You know, if you're a parent, you, you, you probably have lived through this at some point where your, your grown children, you know, they're, they're looking to you, of course, for every parent here, like, you are the hero until your kid turns, like, 12. Like, you are 
you are who man is. My dad can beat up your dad, right? But and then they become teenagers, and all of a sudden, like, they're 16 and know everything about everything. But, you know, they leave the house, and they, they start to make decisions, and they don't come to you anymore. It's not that they're rebellious or that they, you know, that they're anti-you. It's just, you know, why didn't you ask me? Or you hear that they, maybe you hear that they borrowed money from somebody else or something like that. It's like, what? I'm your dad. Why don't you come to me? And this is sort of what I, I look at this verse. I'm like, God is saying, but he didn't come to me. You know, and again, I don't know if Asa would, if God would have healed Asa. I don't think that was the reason that God didn't heal him. But God, for some reason, pointed out, but Asa went to the physicians first and didn't come to me. Now, he had lived his whole life serving God and seeking God. And this, so, so this, is, this is something for each one of us, to this relationship that we have God. We have to keep that relationship warm. And we have a God who helps us with that. Take your Bibles. We're going to look at a guy in the New Testament. Turn to um, John. Actually, go to Matthew first, Matthew chapter 26. Very familiar story here, Matthew chapter 26. Let's just read a few verses, starting in verse number 33. This is right before the crucifixion. Peter answered and said unto Jesus, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. Then come, come Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane and said unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, and began to be, very, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, so unto Peter, James, and John, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. It's an interesting phrasing there where Jesus says, and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What could ye not watch with me one hour? Now, we don't have time to delve into this story necessarily. I just want to point out this conversation here. And And it goes on. Jesus goes away again. He says, would you watch with me again? They fall asleep again. Jesus comes and wakes them up again. And then he asks them to pray with him again. Watch and pray with me again. And then it happens a third time. And Jesus says, okay, just go ahead and sleep. But let's back up just a little. The life of Peter. So you have Peter, the fisherman. When I think of Peter, the fisherman, I think of my dad, the Catholic and God just comes in. I don't know if Peter was 29 years old when he got saved or when Jesus came along, but Peter was a man when Jesus came along. He had lived his life. He had his, his mindset. He had his, his work that he did. He had his, you know, his, his worldview, his way of doing things. And here comes Jesus and turns everything upside down and says, Peter, why don't you follow me? And for three amazing years, Peter lived with Jesus. I mean, basically, they, they did everything together along with the other apostles that were with them. But, but Peter was busy in the Lord's work with the Lord. Like Peter was there when, when Jesus called Lazarus forth. Peter was there when Jesus fed the 5,000. Peter was there 
when Jesus fed the 4,000. Peter was there for the Sermon on the Mount. Peter was there after the crowds had left, and it was just the apostles. Peter was there when Jesus explained to him what he was really trying to say and why he said certain things the way he said them so that they didn't understand before it was time to understand because man has a free will. I don't know what is going on with people saying that we don't have a free will. God created us with a free will to either accept Jesus Christ or to reject him. But as many as receive him, oh, I don't like this, this phrase and receive Jesus Christ. Well, read the Bible then, John chapter 1. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. And so I don't know, you know, uh, uh, Peter, how he, how he went from that, this, that old life to this new life and how he kind of ingested all that. But Peter, for three years, lived this life and heard from the mouth of Jesus the truths and worked with Jesus side by side, saw the miracles accomplished. And now we come down towards the end, this chapter here. Jesus is about to be betrayed by Judas and Jesus gives a prophecy, and Peter says, well, you know, I, I'm never going to deny thee. And Jesus said, well, okay, take a chill pill there, buddy dog, because before the, the cock crows three times, you're going to deny me thrice. And before that happens, now they're in the garden. So Jesus says, watch with me. Watch with me. This is, to me, implies relationship. Just watch with me. Just be with me. You know, when you're in love and you want to take a walk on the beach with your wife or just be with your wife, you don't have to, or, or your girlfriend or whatever, you don't have to talk every second that you're with that person. You just want to be with them. Just watch with me, Jesus said. Sometimes we think, well, I, how can I, I don't know if I can ever pray for, how does pastor, you know, pray for 30 minutes straight. I don't know what I would, what could I say for 30 minutes straight? God's not looking for you to, you know, he's not bored looking for you to just say babble on about something. God wants to be with you. And in order to be with God, you have to be with him. You're not with God right now. Yeah, he's here, but you're not with God. You're with a hundred other I'm not with my wife right now. I see her there, and I, I want to come down and hug her and kiss her. But I, I'm, I'm up here. I'm with everybody else. We're all together. So while she's in the room and I'm in her presence, I'm not watching with her. I'm not, I'm not with her. And you're not with God right now either. The problem is that many Christians, this is their time with God. No, he's, where is he later on today? Where is he tonight after the bills lose again? Where is he tomorrow morning after you had to go to work, while you're at work? Where is he this week? Are you going to watch with him? Look, Peter was all about the, the getting things done. He was with Jesus. He was in the inner three. He saw Jesus. He, he heard Jesus teach. He was a part of the miracles. But Jesus says very specifically to him here, right before he denies Christ, just be with me. Just watch with me. Just for one hour. Just give me one hour. We give, we give two and a half hours to a movie, people that hate Jesus Christ and are, and are, and are verbal about it, or, we have, or we'll throw five or $6,000 to go to a place where they are verbal about their anti-marriage stance. That name rhymes with Lisneyland or something like that. Well, we're willing to do that, but one hour for God? Forget that. And one hour, we're asleep. 
Yeah, and, and we laugh at it, right? I was in Bible college. You know, I was up at three, 3 o'clock this morning. Yeah, you opened your eyes and laid in bed and fell back asleep. Don't tell me you were praying since 3 o'clock this morning. It don't count. But we, we look at that and we're like, he couldn't give one hour? We're, we're about to see what that cost Peter. We're not going to read it now, but just a little while later, the Roman guards come. Judas betrays him with a kiss. And the story, look, look, at verse, look at Luke real quick. Just one verse in Luke chapter 22. Or just listen if you want to listen. Luke chapter 22. One of the saddest verses in the Bible. So Peter is denying Christ. The, the, the girl comes up. He's like, well, weren't you with those guys? I think you, this, you were with them. He's like, what are you talking about? I don't know those idiots. I mean, he wasn't just trying to like get around the question. He was cursing and swearing. I mean, I, we, we, we would bleep it out today. We wouldn't even put it on our televisions. What? I mean, the, the ungodly world won't even put it on the television, the words that Peter was using to describe how he was not in any way related to Jesus Christ or been with Jesus Christ. That's where Peter was. And this is weeks after the miracles. This is just days after feeding the 5,000 and doing all these things with Jesus for three years. That you can't, you cannot have faith without works, but you can have works without faith. And that's exactly what was going on with Peter. And I don't think it was like that way the whole time, but at some point his relationship with Jesus had dried up. At some point. Because here we have him now denying. No, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, those guys are idiots, you know. Just denying, denying. Three times he denies it. And then look at Luke 22. Verse 60, and Peter said, man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately while he yet spake the cock crew, and the Lord turned and looked upon Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Peter realized when Jesus looked at him after he denied Christ, it was like, he was exposed and he realized I don't have a relationship with that man right now. I've been doing the worst. I am an apostle. I'm a disciple. I'm a disciple. He just asked me to watch and pray with him in the garden three times and I fell asleep. I don't have a relationship. The Bible says he went out and wept bitterly. We don't have time to look at the passages but just go with me Go through the story with me quickly. Jesus goes to the cross. He's crucified. All his disciples run. John, except for John. Jesus says, Mary, your son. John, your mother. Takes to take care of his mother. He's crucified. Joseph of Arimathea takes him down, puts him in the tomb. Three days later, Peter and John run to the tomb. It's empty. That night, they're gathered. The apostles, the disciples, the, the, the Christ followers are, are, are gathered. And Jesus makes an appearance to them. Remember, Thomas wasn't there. Thomas wasn't there. So when Thomas is told that Jesus was amongst us, Thomas doesn't believe it. He's like, you know, I, I, don't, I don't believe that until I put my finger in his eye. Eight days later, which would have been the following Monday, Jesus for the second time appears to the disciples that he had. 
he appears to him, and that was his conversation with Thomas, saying, you know, here I am. And Thomas worships him as God there, because Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Don't, let's not get that wrong. Jesus is God in the flesh. And that's one of the things we stand upon. That's a, that's a Bible doctrine from Genesis all the way through Revelation. Jesus is God. Philip preached to the Ethiopian eunuch out of Isaiah that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. And so, my Lord and my God, Thomas says to him, and I just want to take the last three or four minutes here and think about Peter. So Jesus, so Jesus comes in, he makes his appearance, and here, I don't know, 50 people, 40, 50, 60, 100 people are gathered, and they're, everybody's staring at Jesus. Peter's last interaction with Jesus was denying Jesus before the crucifixion. It was denying. It was sleeping when he was supposed to be watching and then saying, I have no idea what you're talking about. And Jesus looking at him across a crowd and Peter weeping bitterly. Now, Peter's in that room. I'm sure he felt like ducking down behind somebody so Jesus didn't look at him again. The second time, Peter's there. And maybe Peter, maybe he had some feelings of repentance. Maybe it's like he knew he needed to get something right with Jesus, right? I mean, he had to know that. He knew he needed to have a conversation with Jesus. You know what? Sometimes we know we need to fix something in our lives. We just don't know what to do. And Peter knew that he needed to connect. He knew he needed to apologize for, you know, for doing that, for the words that he, the stance that he took and the words that he said. He knew he needed to, to sort of fix that relationship that he had with Jesus. But time number two went by, and we have no recording of it. And look with me. Our last passage, John chapter 21. John chapter 21, this is just a few days later. And this is the third time that Jesus shows himself to the apostles. So the first two times, Peter was in a group setting. Peter's last interaction with Jesus is denying him in the garden after he had slept three times because he couldn't watch an hour. Verse number 3, chapter 21 says, Simon Peter saith unto them, some other disciples, I go a fishing. They say unto him, we go also with thee. We don't have time to read the whole story, but Jesus comes, verse number 5, and Jesus saith unto them, children, have you any meat? They answered him, no. And he said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and had cast himself into the sea. Can you, can you imagine Peter here? He's like, he knows he has it. There's, he knows there's something in between him and the man that he's found for three years. He knows, he knows that something supernatural is going on here. He knows that Jesus is the Messiah. He knows, he's the one that answered that. Remember that? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter knew that. He had the information in his head. But he had, he had imploded there on that night of the crucifixion, denied Christ. Christ looked at him and he had not fixed that problem. And now he's in a boat. And John's like, that's Jesus. And Peter's just like, I'm diving into the sea. Like, like, like as usual, Peter wasn't thinking. He's just, you know, whatever, whatever comes to mind, that's what I'm doing right now. They come to shore. Jesus is on shore. And Jesus had cooked a meal for them before they brought the fish in. 
I'm, I'm glad that Jesus likes to eat. This is going to be good when we get to heaven. They get on shore, and I don't know how many guys are with Peter, five, six guys out fishing, and they're sitting around. I, could, I can imagine an awkward silence, like, this guy just died a couple of weeks ago, and now he's sitting in front of us. We know he was dead. This is Jesus, and what are they doing? They've gone back to their old lives, and Peter's last interaction is the denial. And Jesus looks at Peter while he's chewing on his salmon or whatever he's eating. Well, they probably don't have salmon in the Sea of Galilee, but Peter, lovest thou me more than these? And I can picture Peter like looking up in his first interaction with Jesus since the denial. You know that I love you. Jesus maybe stops, a few minutes go by. I cut another fish, another piece of bread. There comes the awkward silence, and Jesus again turns to Peter. He goes, Peter, do you love me? The, the Greek word there is agape. Do you agape me? And Peter says, Jesus, you know I phileo you. You know I love you. Another awkward silence. I don't know, Jesus may have been talking to the other apostles, I don't know, but he turns to Peter again for the third time. He says, Peter, do you love me? And the Bible says, John chapter 21, look at the, Peter, Peter gets frustrated. Look at verse number 17. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. Peter was grieved here, but I want to point out that Peter loved Jesus and Peter knew that Jesus knew that Peter loved Jesus. Although Peter had just denied Jesus. And you may sit here today and say, look it, I know I love Jesus. I, I know that he knows that I love him. But, but there's, there's something in between us that, that, is just, we, that I just need to fix. And I don't know, look, I don't know why Jesus asked him three times. Maybe, I don't know if it was because Peter had denied him three times and three times had cursed him and three times had denied and Jesus was, you know, sort of building that bridge up three times back to sort of clean the slate. I don't know if it was because three times Peter went to sleep on Jesus while Jesus was trying to watch. But I know that Jesus is the one that came to Peter. And I know that Jesus is the one that said, hey, come and, come and dine. Come, come have some food. Hey, Peter, do you love me? Then go out and do my work. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, go do what I want you to do. The works that we do do not make the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. But if we fix that relationship and he's always there, to fix a relationship. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Be there. That agape, committed love, no matter what, Jesus is there for us. And he says, just come to me. Look, we're, we're, all, we're all flesh. We're all going to make decisions that we're like, why did I do that? We're all going to say things. We're going to say to ourselves, why did I say that? We're all going to think things that we know we shouldn't think. We're going we're to deny Christ when we know in our hearts that we love Christ, 
And I say to you, get back up. A just man falleth seven times and riseth yet again. One of my favorite quotes from Bible college, success and failure are on the same road. Success is just a little farther down. Just get back up. Jesus is there. This is Jesus. Hey, Peter, no, no escoration about his denial, no chiding. Peter knew, and Jesus knew that Peter knew. He knew that Peter had wept. He says, Peter, hey, do you love me? Okay, let's restore that relationship. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, there's no reason why you need to walk out of here without a relationship. I'm not, I'm not asking, do you know about Jesus? There's a lot of people that know about Jesus. Do you know Jesus? You can know a lot about a person without being married to that person. You can know a lot about somebody without loving somebody. But does Jesus know you? Does he live in your heart? Have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? Do you have a personal relationship with him? That's question number one. If you're here today, if you're, maybe you're visiting or maybe you've been here, been coming for a while, and you don't know that Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, that's something you could take care of today. Jesus stands with open arms. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor. I will, Jesus died for everybody's sins. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Salvation is for you. Come today. And if you're here today, and I think you're here because you love Jesus, but I guarantee you there's some of us that are far away from Jesus today. We're out in a fishing boat. We're naked in the fishing boat. We're back in the old world. Our mind is in the old world. Our actions are, are back where we used to be. And there's something in between us and the Savior. I'm just trying to say today that Jesus is on the shore. And if you come to him, and just, just come and sit at his feet. He'll probably say something like, Hey, John, do you love me? Hey, Mary, do you love me? And then you can... Restore that relationship. Let's stand to our feet, bow our heads, close our eyes. Nobody's looking around. I want you to examine yourself. God is a personal God. And he's interested in you. He's interested in your life. I don't know what your name is. There's a lot of people I don't know your name here. But Jesus knows your name. And God knows your name. And in a, in a minute here, we're going to open up the altar. And if you need to come to the shore, let's just, let's, we're going to open up the shore this morning. You come to the shore. Jesus is making some fish and some bread. Let him ask you a question or two. The altar's open. You come. Don't wait. You come. You're not saved? Come. Come talk to pastor. Come talk to a deacon. Come talk to somebody. They'll show you the, the words of life from God's word.